0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book The Consolations of Philosophy. At the age of 70, the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates caused a controversy. Three Athenians accused him. They claimed that he had disrespected the city's gods, preached frequent heresies, and used dubious rhetorical devices to bolster up his weak arguments, allowing his feeble thoughts to prevail over strong ideas. At the same time, through his dialogues, he exerted an evil influence on young people, intentionally corrupting them. At his trial, more than half of the jury agreed that this would debase the social fabric of the Athenians their verdict was that Socrates should be silenced. You may know that the Athenian court was not an authority intent on unveiling the truth, but a rabble hurriedly assembled from old men and war veterans, eking out a slender living as jurors. These people were not inclined to scrutinize their opinions or rationalize their judgments. They simply waited, intent on watching the court clock, a device where water trickled from one jar into another to provide a visual time frame allowing the accused just a few minutes to deliver a speech to justify their defense. At Socrates' trial, his self-justifying speech was elegant and passionate, notably, it has been passed on to future generations as a remarkable example of eloquently composed delivery. But the feeble and the war-wounded jury who had no judicial training were unmoved. They were even dozing off during the proceedings the jury decided to sentence Socrates to death. The opinion of most in the jury was equal to the general truth that many detested his eloquence. Nevertheless, the court offered Socrates a chance. They would spare him execution if he willingly and publicly renounced his philosophical work. Socrates declined. At the end in his prison cell, he calmly accepted a cup of hemlock, drank it in one gulp, and died in peace. People flocked to pay their last respects to him. None could conceal their grief, seeing a man who had only shown kindness and curiosity waiting for his execution as if he were a common criminal. All his friends wept. Even Socrates' jailer was moved by the scene and had to look away at the end. Everyone present was distraught, except Socrates himself. The philosopher implored his companions to calm themselves, saying what a way to behave, my strange friends. Then he lay down on his back and gradually ceased his breathing. What is it that can make a person so calm that they can face death with equanimity? The answer is philosophy. We usually think of philosophy as complex and impractical. However, Philosophy isn't mere games played with words by those intellectuals who inhabit ivory towers. Philosophers are fully aware of life's conundrums, challenges, and its tragedy. At its best, philosophy can be a miracle cure capable of calming the ails of the human spirit. Have you ever encountered hardships in life? Have you ever felt lonely and lived in poverty? Do you suffer pain and trauma? This book addresses a number of life's drawbacks—distress, destitution, misery, and other tribulations—gaining from the wisdom of six great thinkers, Socrates, Epicurus, Michel de Montaigne, Seneca, Arthur Schopenhauer, and Friedrich Nietzsche. The author gives us a delightful easy-to-follow read, showing us how philosophy can offer our spirits consolation during some of the toughest times in life. The gifted English author Alan de Botton was born in Switzerland, but he now lives and works in the UK. In 2011, he became a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. Some of his most popular works include How Proust Can Change Your Life, Essays in Love, and The Romantic Movement. We have also released bookie versions of de Botton's Status Anxiety and his co-authored work Art as Therapy. In 2000, he published the international hit The Consolation of Philosophy. For a time, it was the Sunday Times' number one bestseller and has been translated into more than 20 languages. Now it is time to introduce you to this book in four parts, taking you into the spiritual worlds of the great philosophers. Together we will appreciate the elegance of their thought through their own stories and learn how their wisdom can bring solace to our lives. Part 1 – Philosophy's Consolation for Unpopularity Part 2, Philosophy's Consolation for Not Having Enough Money Part 3, Philosophy's Consolation of Inadequacy Part 4, Philosophy's Consolation for Difficulties Have you ever felt that you didn't quite belong to the world? That you just couldn't share in society's common beliefs or so it seems? Perhaps Socrates' life can guide us when we feel that we are out of step with the wider world. Just as today, the ancient Greeks had shared beliefs and common norms. The ancient Greeks rarely questioned these beliefs. They followed them, stubbornly adhering to what seemed like common-sense rules. No one asked the meaning of life, queried standards of courage, definitions of virtue, and so forth. Everyone trusted the existing conventions because they believed that the world was well-ordered. Socrates was unlike most people. Throughout his life, he opposed convictions. He would travel around and debate with people. He posed questions that would have struck people at that time as strange and even somewhat irritating. As we mentioned in our bookie of Sophie's World, Socrates spent most of his life striking up conversations with Athenians in the squares and markets of downtown Athens. He usually started as if he knew nothing by asking questions. Then he encouraged those he met to perceive the flaws in the logic of their answers. In this way, they were better able to distinguish between truth and fallacy. Plato recorded a dialogue between Socrates and Meno. Menno was an aristocrat and a convinced supporter of commonly held beliefs. With great confidence, he informed Socrates that the virtuous man is someone of great wealth who could afford good things. Socrates asked him, By good do you mean such things as health and wealth? Menno replied, I include the acquisition of both gold and silver, and of high and honorable office in the state. Socrates asked again, do you call it virtue all the same even if they are unjustly acquired?" Menno said, certainly not. Socrates added, in fact, lack of gold and silver, if it results from a failure to acquire them, in circumstances which would have made their acquisition unjust, is itself virtue. Socrates' words proved to Menno that money and influence were not in themselves necessary and sufficient conditions of virtue. In Menno's times, Just like Menno himself, many had blind faith in their common beliefs. But Socrates believed that primitive opinions based on intuitions were like a statue without any supports, placed outdoors on a pedestal. A strong gust of wind could come at any time and blow it down. Such opinions couldn't stand up to tests of truth. On the contrary, genuine knowledge was only based on perceptions supported by reason and counterargument. Like a statue firmly pegged down with ropes, such knowledge could withstand a storm of questioning without toppling. Only those assertions that people cannot rationally refute are correct. Those assertions that people cannot disprove are true. This approach argues that an assertion's validity doesn't depend on the number of people who support it or on their status. This line or reasoning was how Socrates practiced his philosophy with He sustained his convictions even in his final plea in court. I shall go on saying it my usual way, my very good friend, you are an Athenian and belong to a city which is the greatest and most famous in the world for its wisdom and strength. Are you not ashamed that you give your attention to acquiring as much money as possible, and similarly with reputation and honor, and give no attention or thought to truth and understanding and the perfection of your soul? And should any of you dispute that and profess that he does care about such things, I won't let him go straight away nor leave him, but will question and examine and put him to the test, I shall do this to everyone I meet, young or old, foreigner or fellow citizen. Socrates finally gave his life for his philosophical convictions. Perhaps we cannot learn from him how to escape judgment and execution but as to maintaining faith and a level-headed stance in the face of illogical opposition, he is our supreme champion. Socrates' original martyrdom elevated philosophy to the point of transcendence, beyond life and death. It was only following Socrates' sacrifice that philosophy could truly attain a higher state, then philosophy entered its golden age. Today we are just sharing limited content.